What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I have been gushing over Glow Recipe lately. I've been using this one particular product in my routine now, and it's really easy to slip in and create this really incredible impact on your skin. But let me tell you a little bit more about Glow Recipe. Glow Recipe is a clean, fruit-forward, Korean beauty-inspired skincare brand. Their vegan and cruelty-free formulas pair antioxidant-rich fruit extracts with clinically proven actives for glowing skin. And that is no lie right there. Not only that, but they have the most beautiful eco-conscious packaging and it makes for an ideal skincare shelfie. If you don't know what a shelfie is, it's a shelf full of your skincare and you can take pictures of it and it's a shelfie. It's amazing. But now there's this one product from Glow Recipe that has been all over TikTok. And you know, if it's hit TikTok, that it is something worth trying. Their products have gone viral for a reason. Their Plum Plump Hyaluronic Serum is your hydrating, plumping, holy grail serum. It has juicy, antioxidant-rich plum and five molecular weights of hyaluronic acid that fill each skin layer with hydration for visibly plumper skin. Combined with vegan collagen, this silky water gel texture, which is my personal favorite, will leave your skin looking healthy and bouncy. That is the most perfect word to describe how your skin will feel. It's really easy to use. I've noticed a difference after only like a couple uses as well. Use one to two pumps of the serum after cleansing, but before your moisturizer, and that's going to get you the bounciest hydrated skin of your dreams. And like I said, they're going to arrive in eco-conscious packaging. Glow Recipe creates products that are good for your skin and gentle on the planet. Their glass jars are 100% recyclable and made of 20% post-consumer recycled materials. They also partner with TerraCycle on a recycling program, so every piece of their packaging can be recycled and reimagined. They're also partnering with Climate Neutral to become Carbon Neutral in 2022. And y'all, I have a coupon code. You got to get on this. If not for the cute eco-conscious packaging, then for that bouncy skin I told you about. And you can get 15% off Glow Recipe with code GLOWPAPAYA at GLOWRECIPE.COM. Now that's for 15% off at Glow Recipe. That excludes kits and it lasts until the end of August. So get on this right now. 15% off Glow Recipe with code GLOWPAPAYA at GLOWRECIPE.COM. One more time, that's GLOWRECIPE.COM. Use code PAPAYA for 15% off. Enjoy and go after that bouncy skin. You will not regret it. 
Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Today, we're welcoming a friend of mine who I've had countless interactions with on social media, but we've never actually sat down and had a chat quite like this. Today, we're welcoming Everyday Girl Dad, aka Mike Reynolds, or I guess it would be Mike Reynolds, aka Everyday Girl Dad, but regardless. Mike is a dad, non-binary, so we're going to refer to them as they, them has borderline personality disorder, and is constantly exploring what masculinity can mean. Their account has been one that has opened my eyes to so many different things, whether it's being an empathetic parent, experiencing empathy from a parent, whether it's giving yourself congratulations for doing something that is just an everyday thing that feels so big, like going to the dentist or going to the bank. They're the person that inspired me to start giving myself gold stars for these little tiny things in life that actually felt really, really big. I can't wait to welcome them to the show, to have this conversation, to open our eyes and our hearts and just have such an amazing chat about everything that is Mike. Please welcome them to the show. All right. W- welcome officially to the show. Just their first conversation, like outside of DMs. I think it is. Yeah. There's been so much like actual typing talk, but in terms of talking to you in person, or I guess this is the new in person. This is, this is what in person is now, I think. And actually, I think we were supposed to actually hang out. That's in what person. I was just going to say. We were right going to. As I'm gesturing wildly, this all started. Um, and that didn't happen. But yeah. We got so close. We got so close. Exactly. <laughs> well, I was telling everyone in the pre-roll why I adore you. And and it was funny to have to actually sit and reflect on that and and recognize how much you've done in my own life, but also in my own learning. And it's been honestly such a joy, but such an empathetic, deep inner child work type of experience in following you. But I really want you to kind of share who you are, what your platform is about, and and kind of a little bit of your origin story into coming into what you do today. Yeah, which is kind of interesting because I have to constantly reflect on what I do myself as well, because my own kind of story and what my platform is changes so wildly so often because it it really started as just being a parent and as this kind of humorous look at what parenting was just to kind of commiserate with other people on how hard everything is and because growing up I thought about being a parent but until you have children in your hands you have no real idea about how all-consuming and difficult and like the the little things like I saw you sharing this morning just the the beauty of food poops solid food poops and everything right like there's just so much that's just and just needing to put things in places and be like can someone else please tell me just how awful and funny and all of the things at once that these things are and um, then it kind of turned into, uh, you know, I, I remember someone making like a blonde joke about like my 
three-year-old daughter and just being like, what in the hell is happening here? And, you know, being one of those people who can or also wanted to acknowledge the kind of privilege of being raised as a boy and then young man and not really seeing just how different boys and girls are raised. And the one thing that I, the reason that I put like the everyday in like that everyday girl dad kind of title thing was because I really want to ensure people understand that uh, nothing about the experiences that a lot of people go through are kind of exceptional or anything that my experience as a parent is it's not something that should be considered extraordinary if I'm out doing things with my kids that's just something that is normal and understood and that early on you know if I'd be a dad out with kids it would be thought of as this kind of extraordinary set of circumstances whereas a mom being out in public you know could have if I'm out with kids who are being loud it's just looked at as look at this great father out with their kids. And if a mom is out with their kids being loud, it's can't you keep your kids under control and everything. And just the kind of different set of circumstances that were placed on parents based on gender and everything. And it was just a look at the kind of different expectations that we put on everybody. And then it was also not wanting myself to be given this kind of, you know, free pass and not wanting people that, followed me to think that there was anything exceptional and that all of the things that I was going through should be looked at as learning opportunities for other men, but also for me, because my whole thing is wanting to unlearn things constantly for myself to be able to grow as someone better and for the people that follow me to also be able to have a space for them to be able to kind of unpack things that they've learned and for us all to be able to kind of have that space to grow and challenge one another. And I mean, sometimes it's hard because I take things very um, personally and have some mental health stuff that that kind of, I can end up in places where I'm, you know, I have some emotional regulation difficulties and everything, but it's, it's also really rewarding to have spaces where people can grow. And I think there's that kind of responsibility that I have given the amount of privilege that I have to be able to, help support people through some of those difficult conversations and everything. So it's kind of ended up uh, when we talk about that inner child stuff and everything, Mm. part of where I've ended up now is as I have been raising kids in a really progressive and sex positive way and everything, I've been able to find out a lot about myself. And that's Mm. really been part of the rewarding journey for me is as I'm raising kids to be, you know, to know a lot about themselves and to be open about that with us. I just so happen to get the same benefit (laughs) and, and get to learn a lot about myself and my identity. And I've been fortunate enough to be supported by some really amazing people in my life as well. I'm Michelle Kwan. In 1996, the world was in the midst of a massive cultural movement that saw women finally taking center stage. Nowhere was this shift more apparent than at the 1996 Summer Olympics in Atlanta. This audience was the loudest thing I have ever heard in my life. The noise, everybody's cheering, and we see all these USA flags. It was the most important summer in women's sports history. And team after team after team, the U.S. women kept winning. Basketball, soccer, softball, gymnastics. I just said, give me mine. Like, give me mine. Join me for Dear Media's Summer of Gold, presented by Together. 
Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And I, this is one of the more beautiful things that I find with you is, you know, through the through the years I've followed you is kind of been interesting to watch somebody almost in real time discover themselves. And, and we're kind of all doing that. But there's a lot of stories, especially like in terms of understanding non-binary. The first time I even heard that term was like three years ago. Mm-hmm. So to watch somebody go through that journey and that experience of discovering themselves and, you know, being really raw and real about it to the point that it is just, you can't help but come alongside you and just hold so much space for all the little bits of what it is. It it reminds me, to be honest, of when I was like younger and going through, you know, learning who I was. And when I say younger, I mean like probably mid twenties, but I really truly went, there's like this point in life where I think a lot of people hit it, where they start to pay attention to who they are. They start to at least give that, those thoughts, some space and some room to grow those thoughts to take hold. And so for me, it's been so interesting to watch you, but so lovely to kind of also hear and learn your last, you just made a post all about, you know, being a child, being accepted and also being 42, like the way that you wrote Mm -hmm. it in such a way. And like, the fact that you were being supported, like supporting your children, even at the age of 42. And I just thought, you know, we're always children. We're always, you know, growing and evolving. And I think we all expect to like hit this point where we feel like we figured it out. And I think through people like you, I'm really understanding that that's not exactly what it is. It's it's a constant, uh, I think, letting go of other people's expectations and also thinking about what your own opinions are. But I'd love to hear from you where where was that point? Where was that, you know, as you're talking about raising kids and allowing them to be, you know, sex positive and advocate for themselves and all these different things and understand who they are, at what point did you really start to notice and allow those thoughts to um, have some space in your world and just like coming into accepting your non-binary? Um, I think like you, I, I, I'm coming across terms, like not now, but same with you, only a few years ago. Um, that I just didn't know when I was younger. Um, And I think that what I've been able to do is kind of place some terminology, maybe around some feelings that I did have when I was a kid, but definitely didn't know what those things meant back then. And so when I would have felt them as a younger kid, it kind of just came and then there was nothing to do with them. And so it was more just okay, that was an interesting, you know, bit of feeling. Uh, I don't know, even the idea of what identity was, wasn't something that was taught about in like a sexual health class or anything. Yeah, so, never. so identity, even forget about things like non-binary and transness and anything like the thought of identity wasn't discussed. So things would be in my mind. I would then just say, oh, well, <laughs> I guess we'll just pack that one away. And then as I'm talking to kids about these things, you know, I'm able to think back to some of the thoughts that I was having as a younger kid and slowly piece them together. And I think that you had mentioned one of the biggest things that I've been able to do for myself is to be able to kind of unpack that idea that there is an end goal and that I can get to a place, say, okay, what I think is happening right now is that I'm non-binary and I'm going to go with they, them pronouns right now and see how that feels for me right now, because that step 
towards what I'm feeling and not thinking that, okay, I've been a man, I'm going with he, him, and then I'm shifting to this and then I will die. <laughs> you know, like there is no, um, there is no more, I need to be this. And that's not always the case. I still struggle a lot with identity. And this is something that I talk about in therapy and that I want to be clear with because I keep searching for people my age that are going through similar things that also still struggle with it because I find a lot of, and I mean, it sounds maybe kind of crass or something, but I still am looking for people that still find some struggle in things because I find it really reassuring because it's really big stuff that like right now I am, I had a consultation for like electrolysis to get rid of hair on my neck and face. And like, those are big life changes and everything. And it's just nice to know that there are other people who aren't like 100% sure of everything they do. And it's nice to feel other people knowing, like hearing that other people have been going through the same kind of journeys and still having some questions, but feeling like they're still doing the right thing. And that you can still feel like you're doing the right thing, still have some questions, but still moving forward in these things. And those kind of things are the things that I like to talk about because they make me feel reassured. Uh, I do like the reassurance from other people. And I do like that other people then end up coming out and talking, whether that's in DMs to me or they talk about it in comments saying that they felt the same way about that. Because that is a lot of what my community stuff is about. It's just finding even that one other person that was like, whew, I've been having <laughs> this same exact struggle and I just needed someone else to say it. And it's strange, but it happens with things like having a hard time brushing your teeth every day. Like there's there's such little things. Yeah, in the intro, I was like, you, you made simple stuff feel finally validated as big stuff. Like for me, it was going to the bank. I would avoid it till I was, you know, money was gone. And it would just be like, okay, you just have to shift things in the account. But I would be so terrified of going in the bank. And you made one post about, you know, how you went to the dentist and how, you know, even though it just seemed like such a simple task, it, I think you had said it take, taken you like 10 or 15 years to go and how all of a sudden that was like a really big thing. And it was really validating to see somebody take something that everyone kind of puts in this box of just a small check mark of life and be like, no, that was a huge deal. Good for you. Yeah. And those are the things that we just kind of, like you mentioned so many people, because probably 95% of people just consider these things really simple tasks that the rest of us think well, everyone else is out there doing this. So I can't talk about how hard this is for me. And the second you see someone else say that thing, it's like, Oh my goodness, I'm not because you do. And it's, it's a, it's difficult. You do end up thinking you must be literally the only person on earth <laughs> who has this one single difficulty. And when you live that kind of isolation, it becomes only more difficult. And that's why it does become so hard to do that one thing is because you think, wow, it's, it's so hard to be the only person on this planet who can't do this one thing. And so when you see that there's someone else who can't and can kind of talk about those things, it's just so comforting just to hear that you aren't the only person. And that's why for me too, when I talk to my therapist about these things, it's like, you know, I just want someone else to say, you know, this is this experience that I have. And it doesn't have to be 
you know, that this exact thing is hard. I just need other people to say, I'm going through the same thing as you. And yeah, it's been difficult. And I don't feel 100% sure all the time and everything. And, and so that's been kind of the process that I've been going through and which is, you said it's difficult, but also really positive. So, and that's the thing that I continue to reassure myself is that when I think about things being difficult, I sit there and think, well, is the way that I have been living any less difficult, right? So it's, it's working towards a destination thinking uh, I'm working towards something, but from something that's also given me difficulties and, you know, it's towards something that, that there's happiness at and identity is just such a, it's such a huge thing. And like we talked about earlier, it's just not something that we are, I mean, someone that's 42 was really taught about. It's something that I have had to kind of learn about on my own being older now. So, And when it comes to labels, like this is one of those things we, you know, you said all of these feelings all of a sudden had a place to kind of land with some of these labels. At the same time, you kind of spoke on the fact that, you know, you identify as non-binary right now, but that's not just like, that's where you are right now in the journey. Really leaving that door open a little bit. Do you find it difficult with labels kind of validating things and at the same time, potentially putting you into, you know, that checked box where you feel like, can I move out of that space? Can I move back from that space? Can I move forward from that space? Have you grappled with that at all? Um, yeah, I I do um, I do a lot in the way that that there's still so much around because everything even when you go to something called non-binary there's still so much binary in language and everything and the way that people think about whenever we do that and I have a online name like everyday girl dad and dad is one of the most gendered terms in the entire planet it is still really tough and and honestly there there can be times where I want to move away from non-binary to something a lot more feminine right and so there's there's a lot in me that think about not not exactly worry but does wonder what labels will do to me and I have to kind of remind myself that what labels are doing to me is what is more what other people are projecting on me than what I'm projecting on myself. And there's, mm. there's a lot of that. And that doesn't make it any less difficult for me. But there is a lot of, um, a lot of that that I need to remember. Because it is really difficult to, even in first coming out as non-binary, to live as that and present to so many as quite masculine, like with some features that are very masculine and for people to still be so conditioned to man me and everything, right? So it's it's hard to to go through things and to have to really put on a lot of makeup and to wear dresses and to wear anything to even get close to the point where someone might have questions. And so for me, it's really about working within myself and I have to at some point just work with what do I want to do for me and try to work with, again, with my therapist and everything to be okay with me working on what any labels or what I feel for myself and being able to let other people boxing me into something for a bit. I have to be comfortable with that 
happening, but understanding that it's the projections of others that are putting those labels on me and being okay with, you know, living myself in whatever I feel comfortable with, whether that's man, woman, outside of every binary altogether, and kind of just finding that space that's best for me. Now, when we talk about, you know, the projections of others, it sounds like a very societal thing, but let's be real. There's also a lot of relationships that are involved. You're a parent, you're a child, you're a friend. How have those types of projections or support, how has it really played out for you? Because I find even, you know, as a parent, if my child came home one day and announced something to me that could change the way that I viewed them, there would be a process that I would go through while witnessing and showing up in support for their process. And it can be, I I can imagine that that's a lot of space to hold for different people and a lot to kind of wear and take on and witness somebody kind of watch your change and also grapple with their own projections potentially for you. How, uh, you know, let's talk about the kids a little bit, because I think the kids are probably, I'm not just your kids in general. I I mean, like society's children now, I think are some of the most open-minded I've ever seen. When I watch my children have friends go through things, go through things themselves, and how it's not this whole mind warp that it was for me three years ago, learning some of these terms and being like, what was that? Okay, I have to learn this now. Okay, what is that? Like, okay, how do I say this? Or even just understanding pronouns. Like two years ago was announced at an event. Everyone was giving their pronouns. And I was like, what is happening? But it was all the children saying it. And I was so blown away that they almost like, it was another language for me. And for them, it was it was second nature. It was nothing. And so I'd love for you to kind of share a little bit about how were the kids? And then how was like any any other supports you could kind of ch- chat about as well? Yeah, I mean, my kids were easily the quickest to pick up on pronoun changes for me, um, like faster than I was myself. I would misgender myself, which is pretty common. I mean, you yeah. grow up with your own pronouns probably more than anyone else does. But my kids were easily the quickest and most supportive of making pronoun changes. And like you mentioned, I think that things like that have become very common with the generation that they're in. So my kids are nine and 11 and it's just something they do. And it's something that, uh, that just frustrates me so much too. And more than frustrates me, it makes me furious whenever (laughs) we hear people of our generation talk about how the fragility of children and, you know, how they're they're too young to hear about things like this. And we can't possibly talk to them about, you know, things like trans people and queer people and everything, because they are the most accepting and the, the exact people that need to be taught about the diversity of our communities at that exact age, because they're the people and they're the ages that are going to be making this change. And talking to them right now is how we grow a more accepting and diverse and wonderful society. And it's the people who are saying they're too young, who are going to continue to grow kind of and raise divisive children. And so it's really frustrating when to hear things like that, knowing that growing and raising kids can be such a beautiful way to, to bring in more kids. And the way that kids question things is so if you spend time answering kids questions versus 
shooing them away and saying, you're too young to learn that. And instead learn with them. It's such a beautiful way to be able to learn together and everything. And Uh, so uncomfortable at times though. My gosh, if you let them be curious, they get curious. (laughs) I find that so fascinating what they'll actually ask. And you know, this, this gets brought, I've, I've talked about this in other pods before, just about, about like sex positivity with kids. And so many people are like, it sounds like you're selling sex to them, like go, like it's positive experience. Like it's like actually the rates of sex amongst children and teens is lowered if they're raised in sex positive environments because they understand advocacy more. They, they're not learning through experiences. They're actually learning from questions and answers and open conversations. And I just find like, no matter what, I find it's really interesting to watch your kids be allowed to ask questions and have that in a welcome environment, even if inside it's making me like cringe a million cringes because it's like, oh, we're talking about that today. Okay. Like is it's so fascinating to watch how much their minds are just curious. And then to know that you're not Google is such a beautiful thing when you find out that they came to you instead of going like kids have access to the internet. They can find out things. Like it doesn't matter how many parental controls you have on stuff. If it's not in your house, they're going to go ask it at a different house. And, you know, I think it's really beautiful that kids have an opportunity to have those conversations. And it and it doesn't take too many instances of you like shooing them away for them to not come to you, right? Yeah, so, so it's, true. It's needing to, to take on those first few uncomfortable instances to be that person for them and to say, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to learn with you. Like, I don't, I don't penetrate, but I'm willing to learn with my kids about periods, right? Yes. And it's not one of those things too, that's because there are lots of two parent households where neither of them get periods who can raise someone who does. And I think that it's important that we stop shifting, you know, responsibility to people who, who do to have those conversations and everything. And it's, it's the, the idea that one person has to be responsible for conversation X and the conversation X needs to happen at, you know, age X and, and the, that our discomfort that we've had because we've grown up for 25 years thinking we can't talk about this topic, like that's our crap to get rid of. And we need to, to get rid of that for our own kids and everything. And so that's been part of like my responsibility as a parent to, for me to handle my stuff so that my kids don't have that growing up. And that's been one of my challenges and that's been kind of fun one to do and to get rid of and to have those, conversations with my kids and to help grow kids that are way smarter than I was at this age when it comes to this stuff. And then like I said, when it comes to other supports, I've had, I've been really fortunate and I I try to be careful when I say that because I think it's such a, it's devastating and awful that the, that I have to say that I've been fortunate as a non-binary trans person to be fortunate to have supportive care that's not everyone's experience and it's it's really tough to because my default is to say i'm so lucky that i've had supportive people and then when you kind of think of what that means that i'm lucky to have that you kind of think about youth who don't get that the older people who never do come out because they know they won't get that the idea that there is a not lucky and not supported is really awful because it is 
I mean, when you look at the mental health kind of impact of not having support on trans people, it is really devastating. And so I am, again, someone who has had a lot of support by a lot of people who do love me. And it does make a huge difference because even as someone who's had a lot of support, it is still super hard to do a lot of things. And the idea of going through everything without support uh, is just, I, I just can't imagine it. It would just be living life trying to hide for me or to, you know, face a lot of um, violence, really. So I have been so lucky myself and really hope that we continue to raise people and change minds and hearts and brains and everything of those who are not providing the support that's needed to family members and loved ones who really deserve that same kind of support that I've been receiving. And, you know, recently I listened to an episode of um, Shattered Glass with Oprah, and I've listened to it four times now. It's one of the best things I've ever heard. But in it, she's talking about, she references this one point where children just want to see how their parents react to them when they walk into a room and like, do you light up for me? And then Kristen Bell went on to tell a story about when something big in her life happens, how she always calls her mom, like, and that's, that's her first person. And Oprah, so Oprah-ish goes to her and you're very lucky to have, to have that. You're very lucky to have that. And that's why I have Gail. And, you know, she talks about, you know, her not having that support person and instead it being an individual, a friend who kind of is both friend and also mother in a way. And it made me think for you, you know, even while you have these supports and you're talking about, you know, having that in place, understanding that community support and friendships are so key for so many as well. How has it been, um, you know, you've said you have such an amazing community and that makes me really happy to hear. I know that I love being a part of your community as well, but how has that made an impact? Because even if you have those who are maybe, you know, supportive, but not lack understanding of what's going on, then to have people who are, you know, in the deeper learning or in it with you, that community, uh, I'm going to assume is like invaluable, but how... What did you did you seek it out? Did you find them? Because this is the one thing I find so fascinating about social media. We can shit on it all day long, but essentially it gives people access to other people that they wouldn't have access to otherwise. Did you discover other people that really made that change for you? That made that made a difference in even that support system being online? Yeah. So I most of my community has been kind of built organically where I haven't sought out anyone in particular. I, again, have some really amazing personal supports that I've turned to a lot recently. I think that the way that the online community, I have the more public one, has just been built a lot through people that are just discovering themselves in different ways. Because I mean, a lot of my journey has been so multifaceted, I suppose. There's been a lot of stuff that's been about, you know, a lot of mental health stuff, then a lot just about sexual orientation and a lot about parenting and now a lot about identity. People jump on at a lot of different points. People jump off at a lot of different points. And so it kind of grows and shapes itself in different ways. And I am totally happy to kind of take on all of the different ways. Because uh, I mean, the one thing is it will always be very progressive learning based. 
and it's always going to be about my own journeys and everything. And I'm always very focused on how I can learn more myself. And that's what, and about needing to take breaks when I need to take breaks, which tends to be more often than not sometimes. And that's why, that's why I've learned that I need to be okay with that, especially if I'm doing a lot of work on myself and identity, um, then I'm sometimes going to need to take breaks, especially if, if online, uh, sometimes you present the way I present sometimes the trolls sometimes find someone that looks like me, uh, in dresses and everything, they'll come out the way they do. And I don't need to see that. And so I'll just take breaks sometimes from places like Twitter and everything. And, and that's something that I'm now trying to like, again, the idea that self-care is, you know, more than like a foot massage and everything that self-care can be, you know, logging off Twitter for two weeks at a time and saying, you know, these people are just not good people right now. And, and they're, they're not, not coming to understand you. They're coming to they're not. project and, and, you know, talking about those projections again, there is a lot of that that will go on. I think as you know, I, I constantly have to create visuals in my head when it comes to society and the way things are going. And oftentimes I have to look at it like a pendulum. And when the pendulum starts to swing and when change is about to happen, resistance will happen at the same time. And some days when those things happen and that pushback comes, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of feelings around like, okay, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm in this work. There is a lot of change to be done. And other times it's like, this is way too much. I've got to take a step back. That's how I feel in the, in the realm of what I, I talk about. Sometimes it like hits like a ton of bricks and other times I'm like, oh, you want to go like that? Okay. Well now I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I find it's, it's kind of two ways, but it really, I think what I love about this conversation and, you know, even your own account is the fact that we're referencing three years, the progression of three years and your personal progression of three years, my learnings within three years, the even social media, the fact that we now have pronouns within our account, it's built into our social media accounts that um, if you go on a Zoom call now, it's become very normal, um, normalized to see pronouns. It, it's become a part of introductions, interviews, and jobs. We've, we've really seen a lot of change in, in that. And what I really love about it is that if somebody introduces themselves with new pronouns, it's very quick. We saw this with um, Elliot Page. When Elliot Page came out as he, him, it was like immediately all the news media just immediately d just did that. And there was a lot of lessons around that. There was a lot of like, please don't refer to them as anymore. And it was just a really interesting thing to see how the whole world can kind of wrap around somebody and be like, okay, we got this. We're going to do this. We've learned so much in these three years. Look at how we're going to show up for you. But the pendulum is swinging. And of course, there's going to be a lot of resistance and it's going to be there. Community support and, and, you know, what I've learned so much too is why it's important for me, even though I present feminine. People will assume me to be a, a her. Um, it's important for me to put my pronouns mm -hmm. in there to almost normalize that pronouns are for everyone, that they are not just for those who present a certain way or have these certain things. And, uh, and I think it's a really, what I would love to ask you is how important it, is it for you? Cause I think this is a, is a good thing for people to hear. How important it, is it for people to refer to you in the proper pronouns? Um, extremely <laughs> it's uh it it mostly it's not so much hearing those 
words mm-hmm. themselves. It's the feeling that someone is taking the time to see me for who I am. It's one way of being able to feel seen through words. It's not the only way someone can do that, but it is one way that people can show they're taking the time to respect me as a person. Hearing the right pronouns is a big thing for me. And you can often tell when someone is making a mistake uh, versus when someone is intentionally. You can definitely tell when someone's intentionally doing it. And that, shockingly, I, it, it, that one just makes me angry. And it's the same thing you can tell. It's like, there's no point in engaging with these people when they're doing that. If they're just people that aren't there for discussion. But the idea of someone using my pronouns, it's a big deal. I mean, there's a lot of hope for, um, but that that to me is just one way that people can see me and kind of validate me. So it is a nice way. And again, it for me, it's not so much for me hearing it, but when people, knowing the idea that people will do it when I'm not around, to me is actually one of the bigger um, nice feelings that people, it, it gives me a lot of anxiety to think that people are misgendering me outside of conversations with me, actually. that uh, That's one of the things that I would really like people to take extra care in, not just with me, but with any non-binary or trans people in their lives is to make sure that they're doing that work, not to our face as well, but doing that work when people aren't around as well. So. And when somebody does make a mistake, because it will happen. I think that especially since we are, whether they've somebody who, who has known you for a really long time uh, or, you know, there there is a trans uh, friend of my, of one of my kids. And I remember being really, feeling really protective of, you know, making sure that my kids were involved in the right ways. And they were, they looked at me like I had two heads, like, why is this such a big deal? (laughs) And uh, I remember one of my kids saying, you know, the biggest thing is that we uh, sometimes accidentally say the wrong name or say the wrong pronoun. And then we just like pick up and move on. And now I think about that years, years later. And I'm like, oh, I don't remember the last time. I've heard them referred to in the wrong pronouns or the wrong name, but that learning curve or that almost rewiring that happens is going to cause error. What would you say um, from your personal experience when somebody does go through that, when they do misgender you, what is kind of the best approach to correcting it or acknowledging that error? Yeah, I think that the most commonly, again, there may be people who have different feelings around it. So I won't speak for everyone for sure. But I think that the more common one is for just that quick correction and then moving on. But again, not the, oh my goodness, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry that I did this. That then just puts people in a bad situation to need to kind of you know reassure you that you're okay <laughs> and you're not a bad That's person true. and everything. And so, yeah, don't center yourself in the experience, just correct it and move on in the situation and everything. And I think that that is, that tends to be the um, common like approach to the situation is they just correct it in the moment and then move forward with it kind of thing. So yeah, I think that, that, that is the 
the best approach. It's certainly my best approach. Now there may be some people that have a different preference, but I think that's the the most common that's, one. So. Honestly, that's that's really great to hear. And you know, I I'm sitting here and I'm looking at you, and we're in the middle of a podcast. So of course, o- only people who would watch any video clips is going to see exactly what I'm looking at right now. And I, you've got your red lipstick on, you've got blue eyeliner on, you've got hair clips in, and it's been so almost annoying to watch you be so amazing at makeup. And I'm like, this is actually, but I've watched you kind of go through the experience of learning all of these things and these new skills and applying them to yourself. And I would love to hear right now, what are you just genuinely enjoying? Because I remember the day when you posted being in like your first dress and then watching you, uh, you know, wear makeup and all of these different things. What are you really finding joy in when it comes to your journey right now? And it doesn't have to be a superficial thing like blue eyeliner. I was just really, I was just really zoning in because I was like, it's gorgeous. No, well, th- yeah, this is, this is new. I love it. Uh, yeah, I guess my partner just gave me a bunch of new colorful eyeliner. And so- this is the first time I've applied it. Now, one of the eyes I had some struggles with this morning, but we're working through it. We're going to keep learning. Hair is something else that I, I shaved for like the fourth time in this pandemic situation. And then I was like, well, I want to grow it out now. So now it's going to be a long, a long drawn out situation. Um, but yeah, finding clothes is actually something that I've been really interested in. So I mean, anyone that's followed me online also will understand this is no shock to anyone that follows me. And it's also a reason people tend to unfollow me as well. Uh, lingerie is something that is is a big is a big interest of mine. Yeah, lingerie and a new uh, more feminine wardrobe thing. So I've found so many, I mean, smash and test has obviously helped fill my romper wardrobe quite a bit. So so now I'm kind of moving some wardrobe filling. And shoes is something that I'm now looking to find for the first time because I have bigger feet. It's been a little bit more of a tricky situation, but that is the next kind of journey I'm on is to shift some of the footwear that I have into a different area, something that will go along better with some of the clothes that I've been looking at. So these are some I'm of the things. I'm just dreaming up you doing a lingerie collab of some sort because I'll be honest, I hate lingerie. I think it's the most uncomfortable thing in the world. I look hot in it and then I take it off because I was like, this was a mess. It's so uncomfortable. If they could just make it so hot, I would be down for it. But I've yet to figure that out. So <laughs> I'm just going to personally ask you. Uh, yeah, I love that. I love all... It's been... This is just one of those things I think a lot of people, when you come alongside in, in a witnessing sense to somebody discovering themselves, it really reminds us all of the journey of our own lives and our own selves. It doesn't necessarily have to be about gender or sexual orientation. It doesn't have to be about your style or anything. It's such simple stuff. And then it's really, it just adds up to big stuff. And you talked about earlier in the podcast, and we got talking about other things afterwards, about how, um, you know, sometimes it's a struggle going through things and you realize, you know, the past was no less a struggle we're all kind of going forward through stuff. And this is one of the reasons why I have such a love-hate relationship with therapy because it's such a mess when you're in it. Like you're in these sessions, you're bawling your eyes out, you're so exhausted, you've got to clear the calendar for the day. 
But then the next day you have like more tools than you had the day before. You learned something more about yourself or you felt validated through something. And in a way, I feel like you're doing a lot of that work and showing up in that every single day through your social media that kind of shows us all that we can explore who we are, that we can go back into our childhood and like look at it all again, that we can change the way we parent. We can change the way we talk and think and do our days, that we can give ourselves gold stars for brushing our teeth or going to the bank, that it is truly all about these little things, these little progressions and these little moments in life that are really collectively so, so beautiful. And so when we sit here and we talk about the last three years, which, you know, we keep bringing up, but it, it just is really such an amazing thing to kind of sit back and go, wow, look what can be done in just three years. And so I, I could talk to you all day. We, I have to kind of leave on this because I think that there's so much more to you. And this is where I want people to really go and find out for themselves, go dive into your account and take some time with you. Scroll back if they want to see the journey, but where can everyone find you? What's the best place to reach you, connect with you, or just be a witness to this journey? Yeah. Instagram is probably my my best journey spot. It's where I plan on also sharing the most of my my latest version of my transformation or transition, whatever moving forwardness, I suppose. And so I'm everyday girl dad on for now, at least. We'll see what ends up happening with me. Whoever knows uh, with Mike Reynolds. So yeah, everyday girl dad on Instagram is probably my my safest, most visible space for me. And so, I love it. You let us vote that's on where I'm at. what you look cute in in your Instagram stories. It's my favorite part. Because I'm always like, yes, hair clips. Yes. Sure yeah. Thank you so much for this time today. Thanks for allowing me to ask really curious questions and to go into some of the stuff that I think is really going to help a lot of us move forward in in a supportive way or to take time and ask ourselves some questions. I know that there is a lot of people in older generations, younger generations that are pausing and wondering if, you know, those thoughts have a place to land with a label or potentially they want to live without labels, whatever that might be. And to, to have a chance to kind of sit down with you and talk through all of that, or just even a snippet of it, I guess, has been truly such an honor. So thank you so much. And also just thanks for your friendship. You're like a stellar friend and I just adore you. And I really look forward to everyone kind of checking out your account and getting to know you in a much more intentional way. So for everyone listening, I'm going to throw in the show notes how you can follow Mike and how you can hop in on this journey at this starting point right now. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for taking time with us today and we will see you next week. Thank you so much, Mike. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.